Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. third week of our sermon series called The Nightmare Before Christmas. And as you've experienced in the last two weeks, what we are doing in this series is, is pushing past all the warm and fuzzy that Christmas has become, that, that hallmark kind of Christmas, to, to get at and see how this event was actually a kind of nightmare for almost everybody involved. And so today, to continue this journey, we now turn our attention to Joseph's nightmare. So, just like with Mary's story, we really don't know that much about Joseph. The Bible really doesn't say that much. So to fill in the gaps again, we have to use what we know about his time and place and some hints in the Bible to kind of give us a background of who he was and what he was all about. So one of the things that, that some scholars assume about Joseph is he was probably a man doing what he had to do to survive. And the reason we can assume this is because Joseph is from Bethlehem, but for some strange reason is living in Nazareth. Now, for you and I, that doesn't seem like that big a deal. But in the ancient world, you didn't move far from home. Family was what defined you. And so it's strange that Joseph is not in his hometown. So what some scholars have argued, it's probably the case that Joseph and his family had just recently lost their land. Or due to circumstances beyond their control, maybe it was a, a drought or a famine, probably due to high taxes. That was what was going on at that time. Joseph and his family were forced to sell the farm, which meant Joseph was basically out looking for work, trying to survive. And then because Joseph grew up working on the farm, he probably learned some skills of a technon. And what a technon is, is not necessarily a carpenter, which is the way it normally gets translated in our Bible. No, a technon is better translated as some kind of woodworker or handyman, or someone who made his living fixing farm equipment, building shelves and chairs and tables, or anything that needed to be fixed. That's what a technon does. And then, if all of that's true, it seems to be the case, the specific reason for why Joseph moved to Nazareth around that time is because after Sepphoris was destroyed, remember we talked about that in week one, that would mean this would be a great place for him to find some steady work as a technon for years to come. And then given that Nazareth is only three and a half miles away from Sepphoris and he can't stay in Sepphoris because it's been destroyed, it seems that the reason why Joseph is living in Nazareth when he was from Bethlehem is because this was really the only place he could find work. What we can also assume about Joseph is that just like every other Jewish male at that time, he also longed to get married and start a family. I mean, in a sense, that's what it meant to be a good Jewish, a good, faithful, and Jewish male at that time. So what I imagine is after Joseph and all that he had to overcome with the loss of the family farm, moving to a new place, finding a job, and finally getting settled in, Joseph got to work trying to figure out who the available women in Nazareth were. <laughs> and the way it worked at that time, right, is Joseph, he didn't spend a whole lot of time out at the nightclubs or, you know, getting online and, and flipping back and forth on his phone. No, Joseph would have spent a lot of time with the men of Nazareth to see which one of them had an available daughter that 
he could afford because that's the way it worked in that time and place. Or Jojo here, in, in his quest to live the dream, would have entered into conversations with many of the fathers of the community to try to make a deal. Which in turn is the deal that finally gets done as Joseph gets engaged to this girl named Mary. Right? This is a beautiful and wonderful moment for him in his life. So Matthew 18 begins the story in this way. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So as the biblical story begins, what we find is Joseph's dream of getting married and starting a family is coming true. And that now Joseph and Mary are engaged. And the way marriage worked at that time is that the couple, first of all, went through a betrothal ceremony, so an engagement ceremony. And so they would do that. And after that point, they were considered to be legally married, but would not live together or consummate their relationship for a whole year. That was Jewish custom at that time. And the reason for that is probably because it gave them each some time to get ready for this life they were about to live together. Or for Joseph specifically, this meant he was going to have to add another room onto his house along with saving up all he could save up and doing what he needed to do to make sure he had everything he needed to provide for his wife. And then when you think about it, I'm sure Joseph, after all he'd been through up to this point, this was a very exciting time to him. Even after all he'd been through, he's still going to get to live the dream. He's landed on his feet. But then as we talked about last week, it's into this place where Mary and Joseph are getting ready for this life together, where this messenger, this angel from God shows up and tells Mary she's going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit and then give birth to the Messiah, the son of the living God, which made Mary's life a nightmare as we talked about last week. But the point of view we often miss when reading this story is how this event also affected Joseph. And so to start to get a sense of how this affected Joe, for all of you men sitting out there, just imagine what your response would have been if while you were engaged, your fiance came to you and told you that she was pregnant, but not because of a past boyfriend or a mistake, but because of the Holy Spirit. Imagine that fun conversation. We read these stories, we think it's normal, we gloss over them, but this is not normal stuff. This is absolutely crazy. Well, of course, at first, Joseph doesn't buy it, and you can't blame him. I mean, this is, this is crazy stuff. He doesn't buy in to, to what she's selling here, but even though he doesn't buy it, Joe's a good guy. He's a good dude, and so what he does, instead of having Mary stoned to death, which is what the law requires, he does this. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly, right? So he's just going to get rid of her at this point and move on, which at first, it doesn't sound that bad for Joe, right? Because he can just move on. He can put this strange incident behind him and just think his lucky stars that he's not with that crazy lady. I mean, to a certain extent. But here's the thing, living in Nazareth, a village of about 100 to 150 people, where everyone knows everyone else's business, you know, kind of like Great Ben, but about 10 times worse. Word of this is going to get out, and he's going to be disgraced. Both of them are going to be disgraced. Or what this means for Joseph is not only is he going to have to start over looking for a new wife, and all of that entails, but now he's going to have to do it in a town where he is going to be associated with this woman who claims to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. 
So as you can see, this event turns Joseph's life upside down. It takes his simple dream of having a wife and a couple of kids and turns it into a nightmare. Merry Christmas. Which then gets worse. Right? Because as soon as Joseph has decided to move on, to put all of this behind him, that's when God shows up. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Or notice, just like with Mary, but this time in a dream, God sends this messenger to Joseph and tells him, reveals to him what's really going on. And Joseph, instead of running away in terror, which is what I would have done if I would have had a dream like that, Joseph does this. When he awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Or Joe, after he has this dream, after he gets what's going on, the craziness, the amazingness of it, what he does is he steps up to the plate, he accepts this strange assignment and is all in on being the earthly father of Jesus. No matter what it's going to cost him, or no matter how weird and hard this is going to make his life, just like Mary said yes, we also find Joseph saying yes. And then, almost immediately, everything got better. No, that's not how it works, right? <laughs> then almost immediately his life gets a whole lot harder because now Mary's nightmare, which we talked about last week, right, becomes his nightmare as they travel to Bethlehem for the birth of this child. And then when you follow the story out, it just gets worse even after Jesus is born. In that a couple of wise men show up from somewhere in the east following a star, and that story is amazing and wonderful. But what we oftentimes don't think about is these men brought Jesus to the attention of Herod the Great, the king of Israel. And what you need to know about Herod the Great is he is psychotic. He is a man who is willing to do everything and anything to destroy anyone who might be a threat to his throne. Or to give you a sense of just how crazy Herod the Great was, he was said to have drowned his more popular brother. He had his favorite wife strangled, favorite wife, and he had three of his kids taken out because he thought they had a plot to take him out. Yeah, this guy is absolutely crazy, and this guy is after Jesus. And so that means, that means their whole livelihood, their everything is now under threat. This is as big as a nightmare can get. The most powerful man in the Jewish world at that time is after this child. And again, I say to you, Merry Christmas, right? Put that on a card. Put that on a card and see how that sells, right? But then, but then, just when this threat was starting to become a reality, what we find happening, which is the point I really want you to get, is God showing up to Joseph in the form of another dream to guide them out of this mess. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. 
For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and they went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. Or notice that into this nightmare where their lives are on the line, God sends one of his angels to let Joseph know what they need to do just to stay alive. Which, by the way, is a very good thing because what Herod does after he finds out he's been duped is he sends some of his men to Bethlehem to kill every child under the age of two just to make sure any threat to his power is taken care of no matter how many innocent children have to die. And then finally what happens as this story is brought to an end is God shows up a couple of more times to Joseph in dreams to guide this family back to the safety and security of their home in Nazareth. Matthew 2, 19 through 22 says this. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were dead, or excuse me, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. And Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and they went to the land of Israel. But when they heard that Archelaus was ruling in Judea in place of his father Herod, they were afraid to go there. But after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. Or basically what's happening here after all the craziness and danger that Joseph and Mary and this child had to endure because of the birth of this holy child. With God's guidance, they finally make it back to the safety and security of their home. Where their nightmare at least for the moment, has finally come to an end. Or this is the one point in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth. You can actually take a moment and take a breath. Everything's going to be okay. Because up to that point, it was iffy. Okay. So now that you get a sense of Joseph's nightmare, now that you understand that Christmas was anything but warm and fuzzy for Joseph as well, what I believe this particular story has to teach us is that when our lives get hard, when our nightmares become reality, I think what we can always count on is God showing up as our guide or meeting us there in that place of need to show us the way out. And the reason I say that is because that's exactly what happens in this story to Joseph. Every single time something is on the line, every single time this could all break down, what we find is God showing up to Joseph in his dreams to help him find the way out. Or the driving force behind Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, what makes everything work, and it could have blown up in about 10 different places in that story if these appearances didn't happen, or Joseph's dreams or God showing up in that place. So, what that means for you and I is just like for, for Mary and Joseph, I think what we can count on happening in the, those places of darkness when we've lost all of our hope is we can count on God showing up. And, and the way God does this is not necessarily going to be through dreams like happens with Joseph, although that might be the case. That might happen for you in that way. No, sometimes God shows up in the form of a nudge, you know, the Spirit speaking within us. It might be in the form of another person offering you advice or giving you what it is that you need to get through this moment. It might be God slamming a door in your face when you thought you were supposed to go in that direction, but now you've got to change course. Or it might be this new call that God has put in your heart to go do something new. 
no matter how it is that God shows up. I believe what this story reveals to us is God always meets us there in the difficulty to help us find our way out. Now, to help you understand this a little bit more, uh, you know, I talked about it a little bit earlier. This week for me, this, this past week and a half for me has been one of the hardest I've ever had to face in ministry. My heart is still breaking. I still find myself crying, saying goodbye to this kid and then de- and helping this family do what they need to do. But what I can tell you is in the midst of all of that, from the emergency room in St. John to the, the trip down to, to the ER and surgery and all that kind of stuff, what I found over and over again in that dark place is that God showed up in big ways. There were nudges in my heart. There were people speaking to me words that I needed to hear. Right? There were God shutting doors or God just pushing me in certain directions. And so what I hope you guys get, what I hope you guys understand, which I got to experience this week, which I would have never made it through without it. I would have just curled up in the fetal position in a corner somewhere is that the next time we find ourselves facing something like this, right, and maybe for you it's, it's a divorce, it's a loss of a loved one, it's sickness, a diagnosis, depression, whatever it is, what we've got to do in those places is instead of letting that situation take over or instead of letting our problems define us, we have got to understand that God will meet us there. We've got to understand that we've got... Um, to open up our ears to hear or to pay attention because God will meet us in those places. Because we truly do. We truly do serve a God who meets us in those worst possible scenarios and helps us walk out of the darkness and back into the light. For Christmas, there's no better the hope than that, right? Christmas is about freedom. It's about being set free. It's about light and joy, even in the darkest moments of our lives. Let us pray. Father, again, we come to you um, in, in this series just puts into perspective that the hallmark version of Christmas, even though it is great and wonderful, it just doesn't get at the reality of what happened to these people in this event that changed the world. Now, yes, in this story, there is hope and joy and salvation and redemption and all of that that we celebrate every single year, and we need to continue to celebrate that. But also, this story shows us the reality that life is hard, that even when God calls us to do incredible things, it doesn't keep us from um, difficult things happening in our lives. So may we learn today through Joseph's story that we really do serve a God who meets us in those places and, and shows us the way out, who helps us to walk out of the darkness and back into the light. Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.